What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 70 presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I just recently got back from Chicago Bears training camp. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he hasn't stopped being mad since Sunday since that was the last time he was able to watch Big Brother and it's been a whole what, three days? Frank, how you doing? I'm doing great. I can't wait for tonight's episode, my Wednesday weekly show watching it with my big brother. Um I'm just really, really excited for today's show. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when I'm watching Big Brother and I'm enjoying it, you know, I'm normally into the whole sports scene. And speaking of sports, this is a hockey show. So we are going to kick things off in period number one. Welcome to period one, where we are not going to talk about hockey while we might. We actually really might. I mean, there's a good chance of that now that we got some secret inside information on what's going on here that we were not expecting. We are very excited to welcome on a very, very special guest from Big Brother season number 24. It is Pooch. Pooch. Yo, yo, yo. Appreciate y'all. Happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. Super excited to talk a little Big Brother and some sports for sure. (laughs) That's amazing, man. We cannot be more thrilled to have you. We're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff as this show goes on here. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about Big Brother. We might even talk a little bit about ice cream. You never know. Love that. Love love all three. Yeah, me too. Me too. But Pooch, this is a sports show first and foremost. You are a big sports guy on day one of Big Brother. You made mention that you were into football and all that kind of stuff. You were a coach. But what got you into sports from day one? Yeah, so I, you know, sports was a big part of my kind of entire family's life. You know, they kind of put me into it. I feel like it helped shape you as a young man, young woman, you know, your characteristics, working hard, work ethic. Um, so it's something where sports has always been a big part of me. Uh, played in high school, did track, a uh, little bit of baseball, uh, football for years, played college football for two years, uh, had a lot of uh, injuries. I had four leg surgeries, so it was a lot. Um, so I decided to get into coaching, started coaching with Lane Kiffin at FAU, um, did that for four years between him and coach Willie Taggart. Uh, but you know, I just love coaching. I love helping kids. You know, I, I love sports. So it's kind of, you know, the big reason I got into sports for sure. Are you a Yankees fan by any chance? Oh, diehard Yankee fan. Die die hard Yankees fan. What do you sure. think die of all their, uh, the trade, uh, the trades they move made before the trade deadline. Yeah, so I love Ben Attendee. You know, I kind of loved him. I was so mad that he was with the Red Sox for a little bit, and then obviously was happy that he left, went to the Royals. But I love Ben Attendee. Um, you know, Bader, I am a fan of Bader. You know, I like that he kind of, you know, played a little outfield. He hits, he runs, he's fast. Uh, so I like the moves. I'm a little bit upset. I know Montgomery was a fan favorite. So for, for them to get rid of Montgomery, him go to the Cardinals, uh, some people aren't too happy about it. But I feel like right now we have enough pitching where we'll be okay. Uh, you know, so I like the moves. I and I feel bad for Gallo. You know, he got a bad rap, dude. I don't think he's a bad dude. He struggled for whatever reason, which I don't understand. With the short porch, you know, as a lefty Yankee stated, me the thought that would have been his brother and brother. Um, but you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, man. So I wish the best him in LA. But you know, I, I'm excited, excited about the Yankees for sure. Yeah, the betting odds suggest that Gallo is going to get to face his old team in the World Series. You buy that? You know what? The Padres, I buy that until the Padres made that friggin' move. Are you kidding me, dude? The Padres are unreal now. So it's it's kind of after the move they uh, made. So, you know, getting Soto. Uh, so, yes, no, but the Padres are going to come in hot. That's for sure. That is for sure. What have you thought about Aaron Judge this season? The dude is on a tear. 
Dude, the, and I had to check to make sure it was still going. Obviously, I went into the Big Brother house, so I, I wasn't able to watch a Yankee game from about June 20th to about July 20th. So I had to make sure, you know, see if he was still as hot as he was, which he might be even hotter, uh, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so he's going to get paid a lot of friggin' money. Um, I, whatever the Yankees got to do, I know they got it. So they better pay that man, man. I want to see Aaron Judge be a Yankee for a long time. So it'll be exciting to see for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, there have been Yankees of great present and there have been Yankees of great past. And I've noticed through looking at your Twitter, you've been kind of keeping up with the Derek Jeter document, at least once you left the Big Brother house. And that has been just outstanding theater to watch, talking about him with A-Rod and certain things with the Red Sox back in the day. What Have you been enjoying the doc first and foremost? And what did Derek Jeter mean to you when you were maybe a kid or a young adult? Yeah, so absolutely. So life's been a little bit crazy. So thank God for Twitter. That's really been what I've been tuning into the Derek Jeter doc. There's so much television kind of sports I'm still trying to catch up on. I've only been out of the house. I think coming up on this Thursday, tomorrow will be two weeks. So not even two weeks yet. So a lot to catch up on when you're out of the house for a month. But I remember before going to the house, knowing about the documentary, the captain coming out, and I started looking at the clips. I cannot wait. Once I have a second, you know, in the whole social media and me, I'm probably putting out some content. Once that slows down, I'm absolutely going to dive in and watch it. And it's kind of funny because uh, I was always big A-Rod growing up, more like the bad boy, this, that. And, uh, you know, I just love He was so exciting. But I love Jeter. I mean, he's a stand-up dude. You know, he's he's a leader. I love someone who can lead. And you don't have to lead by, you know, yelling, screaming. I That's not the type of leader I am. Every team, every organization needs one. But more the leader that leads by example, man, that's what Jeter did. He played his, uh, his ass off, played his heart out, man. So I'm excited to sit down, finally watch it. But, yeah, growing up, man, big Jeter fan, uh, you know, big uh, A-Rod fan, Matsui, Damon. You know, that's when I was frigging the Yankees. Those were probably one of my favorite Yankees teams, Giambi. Uh, so, yeah, for sure, big diehard Yankee fan. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we're actually getting close to the start of the NFL season. I think tomorrow's the Hall of Fame game between the Chargers and the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken. Then we'll kick it off with some preseason and get the NFL season underway. Um, just out of curiosity, who are you rooting for this year in the NFL? Jets, Giants, uh, what are you most looking forward to this season? Yeah, so it's crazy. I and mean, just to put this out there in, this, in a way, I'm excited. This is the first NFL season I'll be able to truly enjoy and probably – Five, six years, because when you're coaching college football, the toughest day, the longest day is Sundays because you're trying to break down the game you just played that was on that Saturday. Could have been morning, afternoon, night, you know, only a few hours ago. And you're trying to get ready for the opponent that you're playing the upcoming week. So Sundays, usually, man, I'll try and tune in, put a couple games because usually have a lot of a lot of monitors. So I'll watch film on one. I'll do work on the other, maybe have a game on, but I'm not truly watching it. Um, so I'm just excited for the NFL season. You know, I haven't been to an NFL game in years, not because I'm not a fan, but because I'm usually working, you know, and it's, the, you know, the heart of the season as the NFL season is going on with the college season. So I'm a big Giants fan. I used to go to MetLife as a kid in high school, my parents, my family all the time. Love seeing games. Yeah, the Giants have not been very good the past few years. Have so I don't even want to say high hopes this year, but I have hopes. I have hopes for the Giants, you know, to be good. Um, you know, but I'm a big, and it's going to kill you guys to say, I love Rogers. I think Rogers is so badass, oh, man. man. I am sorry. I am so <laughs> sorry. Get man, out. But, <laughs> get out. The way, the way he went out last year and that Packers team to the 49ers was embarrassing. You know, So I, I just hope for his sake, they have a good year. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the entire NFL season rooting for obviously the giants and then probably just a lot of different players, you know, which I enjoy and like, so. 
You redeemed yourself by bringing up that he got eliminated by the 49ers last year. Our guy, Robbie Gold, was the one who eliminated him. It was no. it was good to watch from our point no. of view. But I no. understand the love for Aaron Rodgers. There's no doubt he's great. But, yes, we are in Chicago. You told me off camera about an experience that you had playing against Justin Fields. We're getting ready for – you know, a big season with him coming up here, hoping that he can like take another step in development. Can you tell us about your experience on camera going up against him and then what you think he might be able to do in the NFL? For sure. So when uh, Justin Fields transferred from Georgia to Ohio State, his first game at Ohio State, I actually coached against, you know, uh, the uh, Ohio State. Uh, when I was at Florida Atlantic, it was in 2019. So, you know, we didn't know what to expect. We knew he was good. Ain't no doubt. But we didn't know because we had no film besides a couple clips of Georgia to work off, you know, some high school film. So, you know, we were very scared of obviously him in the run game, man, you know, huge lower body, you know, big dude, you know, was very nervous. I can't remember who was playing running back. Technical difficulties. All right. Well, we'll just wait for him to come back. I'll let him know that he can just exit right out and come back in. In the meantime, how's everybody doing? I'm doing great. I mean, this has been going really good so far. How are you enjoying it? great it's, it's so cool to have a guest like him on our show yeah is there a way to like take him out until he's able to, yeah there you go so he'll, he'll be back we're waiting for pooch to come back and right when he does come back we will get right back into the conversation talking about justin fields you want to know something crazy hmm. i've had that happen with three straight guests are you serious three um the last two i've had on crosstown crosstalk their internet like crapped out on them wow <laughs> but um I think he's in New York right now, right? Oh, I, I wouldn't know. Is he's from New York, right? Yeah. Pretty sure, yeah. I, I assume him. that's where he is. Yeah. And so everybody watching just know that we have a big not even second half. We got a lot of pooch coming up here for you, but until then we'll get that's back. That's what you get with live shows, right? Everything's live. Yeah, so. and I yeah. You know, as long as we're here able to talk, I mean, that's kind of what the the show's all about, but he'll be able to rejoin. It's really um, cool, though, the stuff we've heard from him about, like, Fields and his life with the Yankees and Jeter growing up. I mean, so far, really like his answers. So, Yeah, I mean, did you catch any of the Jeter stuff? Uh, not really, to be he, honest. He kind of did, like, a, an interview there. Or it's not an interview. It's a documentary where he – it was kind of like about his life and his playing career, but he talked about things like playing in the playoffs back in the early 2000s. And the thing that was most interesting to me was like his dynamic with A-Rod. So when A-Rod was traded to the Yankees from um, the Texas Rangers, he was a shortstop and he was a significantly better shortstop than Derek Jeter was. But you know, when he came over, it's like Derek Jeter, this guy's a living legend. He's not going to give up his spot at shortstop in place of A-Rod. And A-Rod moved to third base, was quiet about it. And apparently him and Jeter, like, didn't really necessarily get along during those times. And I don't know. The rest, as they say, is history. Do we have a pooch update? No pooch update. He's not here. Um, he actually officially left the stream. So I don't know if he's working on it right now. I assume yeah. he is. Well, so I, far I he's here. Oh, he is here. So we would like to welcome back. No, I said I, I let you know when he's here. Oh, damn! I was yeah, like, he's... I was super excited. No, he's not here. I mean, all right, Big Brother fans. I mean, Pooch left a lot earlier than we thought he was going to in Big Brother and 
and freaking, <laughs> I mean, is, is that fair to say? Yeah, he was the first one voted out. Wasn't the first one to leave, but the first one voted out, which is always a fear of mine if I was on Big Brother. Like, I don't want to go through that whole process. And we'll get there. We'll, we'll ask him about, like, his process and getting on Big Brother and why he wanted to get on all that. But it just would break my heart to be there and then be the first one voted out because you worked all that time to get there. I, I feel bad for him. He's a, he's a great guy, and I'd, I hate that to happen to anyone. Yeah. Do you think, though, that – it softens the blow just a little bit because of the fact that. Okay. Now he's back. Okay. So we're going to get back to that conversation later. We are welcoming back to the stream. Pooch. Pooch. God, sorry about that, dude. I don't know what just happened. I've been doing free and a half zoom interview. This is the first Wi-Fi problem. I think my thing just shut down. So I'm running upstairs, reset the router. think we're good to go. Shouldn't be any issues. Pooch, while you were gone, I cracked a joke about you leaving Big Brother House and this show just a little bit earlier than I know. Is that is that kind of funny to you? Oh no, you did it again. Don't ask the question. (laughs) Right now, right now I picture him like scurrying up the stairs. (laughs) Oh no. He says this is the first time that that happened. Did he leave stream this time? Oh, he's running. Now I'm literally running. I'm moving spots now because I don't know what's going on, but we're changing setup areas. Not happening again, I promise. Too bright. Here we go. You're all good, man. Hey, we have this. You know, you would think that that happened more often than it does. And I went like almost a year and a half without it ever happening to a guest. And it's yeah. happened to like three straight guests in a row now. We're just like, that's great. I don't know why. And I'm, I'm shocked too. I think we're good now. It looks good. Feel good play good but yes i'm not leaving again i'm not leaving the big brother house not this podcast <laughs> until i'm ready on my own terms i promise i love it so you were in the middle of talking about coaching against justin fields yeah so uh you know i was saying we were playing him the first time you know there was no real film on him he was transferring for transferring from georgia uh so we knew what to expect that he was a good player but not exactly how good and we were more nervous about him in the run game and i can't remember i can look up the stats after but Whatever he passed, he might have passed for like three, four hundred yards on us, you know, and it was unreal seeing his arm strength. I mean, the guy's a beast, you know, and I was always, you know, seeing him in person. I have a lot of respect for him uh, as a competitor, you know, obviously the way he worked and he was prepared for that game. You know, he did what he had to do to be ready for his college football game. So I'm excited to see the way he develops. And I hope he has a good season for sure. Absolutely. I was going to ask you. Islanders or Rangers, but then off camera, you dropped the bombshell out of left field. And you told us that you're a Chicago Blackhawks fan. So ixnay on that question, or if you want to answer it, you can. It's up to you. But tell me about your love for the Blackhawks. Just pour it out. Yeah, dude. So I, it happened with Patty Kane, man. And when they were, I heard before I was going to Big Brother House, the potential of them trading Patty Kane, I would have been so freaking mad, man. You have no, I, I love to bring it. They got rid of his ass. Uh, I can't, I think they traded Kirby too. So I, I was just like, I came out of the house, I was kind of mind blown, you know, because I thought they had a young, exciting core. You know, obviously they traded Flower uh, during the middle of the season, which I get, you know, because there wasn't much value for him being there, for us ha- having him. Um, but yeah, I guess. I would say I'm excited about the Blackhawks, but there's not a ton to be excited about, you know, besides loving hockey. Um, you know, I love Patty Kane. I want to see him keep doing this thing. Uh, you know, I hope they keep him. Obviously, just get getting out of the house. I don't know if there's even still talks about him potentially leaving. It would make sense, you know, for both. And I want to see him win again, you know, because it's been years and years. 
Uh, but yeah, I can't. I've never been to Chicago, so I would love to go go catch a game. I'm hoping to do it this year, uh, so that would be amazing. But yeah, definitely big hockey fan, big Blackhawks fan for sure. I just want you to know that if you make a trip to Chicago to go and you want to go to the United Center, yeah. you have a paid ticket on Frankie and I to go to yeah. the game. It would be yeah. so dude, funny. I don't need a paid ticket, but I definitely want y'all to be there. I'm sure, dude, I would. it would be a great experience if I fantastic. go. And I will definitely go. I will absolutely let you guys know for sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many cool things about the United Center. So like the average sports fan, I think that's like one of the things they have to get in when they go to Chicago. Obviously, you want to see both the Cubs and the White Sox. Both stadiums are awesome. Soldier Field's kind of a dump, but the Bears are legendary. So as far as if you had, have you ever gone and experienced live hockey? Like, have you gone to an Islanders game, a Rangers game, maybe a New Jersey Devils game? Yeah, so I've actually been to uh, a few Rangers games a couple of years ago, but I actually lived probably about, I lived down in Florida for the for the last four or five years. And I lived about maybe 30 minutes away from where the Panthers played. Um, so I actually went to go see the Panthers a ton while I was down there, obviously around my football schedule. Um, but my, one of the last games I saw was not this postseason, but the last one, uh, the lightning and the Panthers, I think it was maybe game six. It was a really good game. Um, so, you know, I love seeing live hockey, really exciting. I want to go to the Canada and see a game too. I'm trying to work out a Canada trip. I mean, Connor McDavid is literally Jesus on ice. I think, man, he is so special. It's crazy to watch. Uh, you know, I kind of not obviously I'm not an Oilers fan, but seeing that whole team and seeing what they've done uh, has definitely been uh, incredible. You know, and I wish they could do it. He's fought, he, he has to do so much for that team, man. I wish they get him a goalkeeper, you know, and able to put one or two more pieces where they could really achieve the things for him. Uh, but he'll win. And that's something. But, yeah, I would love to go see a game in Toronto. Uh, Edmonton, uh, you know, Montreal will be amazing. So I can't wait. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Vin, is there any other sports related questions you have? No, you- Frank, you can hop right into Big Brother. I know I you've think- been waiting for this moment the oh, whole yeah. time. I, I mean, I love Big Brother. I've been watching it for 14 years. Um, so just having Pooch, you on our show, it's a big moment, at least for me. It's <laughs> for incredible. Sure. Is he a super fan in your brain, Pooch? Is Frankie a super fan at 14 years? Uh, I know, I know some no. of those people are at like season, they're watched all 24. It's crazy because it's like I will I'll say like casuals, then like super fan, and then like super super fan. I was definitely a super fan. I mean, when I'm saying super super man, it's like you don't you haven't missed the episode and you remember it yeah, since right. you know, like every like I'm very good with the cast. I probably started watching it like maybe 11, 12, 13, and I could tell, you know. I could tell a name of who that cast member was, but if you say what season, what season he was on, I'll probably get it very close if not on, but you know, I'm not hundred percent sure. I actually just did an interview with Rachel Riley oh. um, from big brother 12 and 13, right before I got on with you guys, which she's a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was super fun to do that way. Uh, but my favorite big brother season was season seven, actually with Dr. Will, uh, his all-star season. That I was love all-stars, Dr. Will. Yeah. 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 love Dr. Will. So yeah, I'm definitely, I think you're probably in that either super, super fan or right under where I'm at. So yeah, definitely a big fan. I, I'd say I'm just probably where you're at. Cause I mean, I didn't watch the first couple seasons, but I know like all the legends of the game. I started watching mm-hmm. big brother when it was on season 10, big brother 10 with Dan. Dan's yeah, like one sure. of my favorite players of all time. He's so legendary. Um, but anyway, just tell me about or tell the viewers and all of us about your experience of why you wanted to get on Big Brother, your journey to like audition, how many times it took you to audition and get on the show. And then like just your overall experience from this year. 
Yeah, so I promise, you know, honest God's truth. I'm not like I sit there right now, I sit there and apply for every reality TV show. I don't. It's crazy, big brother. I'm one for one with applying for television shows, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, it's something where I coached at FAU for four or five years and I wanted to keep coaching. It's something where you have to keep growing your tree. So like Nick Saban's rule is as a coach, a younger coach, you shouldn't be in the same spot for more than three, four years, you know, because if not, you're not, you need to keep growing connections, growing your coaching tree. Um, so it was something where, you know, I knew I probably needed to get out, unfortunately, even though I love FAU um, and look for a new opportunity. So as I was looking for that new opportunity right after the season ended, um, I actually met Travis, who was on Big Brother 23 at a bar in Tampa. And I was just like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. Love what you did in the show. I know you went home. I think he was the first uh, uh, house guest evicted. But I was like, man, that's amazing. And he was like, dude, apply for the show. Apply. I was like, dude, I'm coaching football, yada, yada. I'm looking for a job. He's like, oh, so you, like, you're not even technically working right now? I was like, no, I just had my last day Friday. I come, came to Tampa for the weekend. Um, so he said, like, just apply, apply. So I got home. I drove from Tampa to South Florida. It was about a two-hour drive. I thought about it the whole time. Finally got home, was applying for more football jobs, got bored of applying for football jobs. I was like, hey, let, let me see what the application process is like. And if it was anything complicated, I probably wouldn't have done it. You know, and all it was, I put like my name, email, and like I sent in like a 40 second video. I swear, 40 second video. Um, and a week later, I think it was a week or a week and a half, I got a call from Cali and uh, I didn't answer it because I was like, oh, it's probably bullshit. Like, what is it's probably uh, something about my car insurance being expired or something, <laughs> you know? Um, so finally, I listened to the voicemail and it was like, hey, uh, this is blah, blah, blah. Actually, I'll say her name because she's amazing. I think I can. Penny, one of the casting producers. Uh, she said, hey, this is Penny. Uh, I'm calling from Big Brother. She's like, I just watched your video. She was like, anybody that calls themselves Pooch, I want to know more about. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So I was like, not much is going to happen after that. But, you know, more and more kept happening. She sent me paperwork to fill out. And then you start going on Zoom meetings. Everything's done over Zoom. Uh, nothing in person, which, you know, I have like an iPhone friggin' like 7, 8. So it's like uh, my graphics stuff isn't good. The pictures quality isn't good. I remember the funniest thing from my first Zoom interview, my girl Penny, she was like, hey, do you have a ring light? And she's like, set your ring light up. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And what I did is I pulled two lamps and I put them together and I put the lamps behind my table, behind my computer and the table because I'm a football coach. I don't have ring lights. I didn't do stuff on social media. You know, that's just not that anything's wrong with it. It just I didn't have that stuff, you know. Um, so it was something where, you know, it's it was probably about the key pieces of it. I, so first Penny gave me a phone call. Then they asked you to submit a bunch of pictures for yourself. So I did that on my iPhone 7, 8 which the pictures suck. So I'm like, I'm never going to get asked or called back again. Finally, we started setting up Zoom meetings. Um, and it probably was about anywhere from like seven to nine Zoom meetings. And uh, like each level, if you keep going further, you start speaking to more and more people. So first it was with like my girl Penny and the casting team. Then it was with Penny and the head casting producer, Jesse Tatenbaum, who's amazing. Then after that, it was like some of the producers of the show. Then there's people at C CBS than the CBS executives. And the thing that's funny is, I don't know if I just didn't know what to expect. It was kind of just saying like, like screw it, F it. But I was doing a very good job until the final interview, right before everybody was like, hey, this is the one, like this is the make or break. Like my girl Penny was like, hey, you gotta do this. My guy, Je Jesse, the head casting producer was like, yo, I got your back. He was like, but he was like, these are the people that make the final decision. He was like, you've been crushing it, do the same thing. So what they like is, you kind of say the same thing in every interview, you know, but it, it gets repetitive. It feels very uh, scripted. And I'm not a scripted person. You know, if I start saying the same corny jokes, this, that, it makes me feel weird. Then they say they're like, hey, 
pooch that like just do exactly what you're doing do exactly say the same stories the same little jokes you're doing keep doing it because they were like i know you see our face and we heard it like five six times already but in each zoom there's a group of people that haven't heard it before you're brand new to them so i get into the news the, the last zoom meeting and i'm a big person like on energy you know i feel people's energy so i get in and it happened obviously they're busy they were like 15 20 minutes late to the zoom so i have 50 cent you know, got my Spotify on the TV going crazy, blasting. I'm getting hyped up. Finally, they joined the Zoom meeting. And with Zoom, you just pop in. So I pop in. The music's blast. I'm like, oh, shit. I pause. I'm like, like, sorry, guys. Yada, yada. And then, like, like 10 seconds in, I see that one of the guys leading the interview looks down at his phone and starts texting. And I'm like, this mother sucker. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I only get, like, 25, 30 minutes to talk to y'all. And I was like, you're not even going to give me the attention. Uh, so it was starting to kill my energy. And I was like, okay, I need to change up my whole presentation. And then I knew, so I finished, I get off the Zoom. Most of my Zoom meetings, I think they give you like 15 to 20 minutes worth of time. And usually, like I was going like 25, 30, which is good. They obviously want to know more about you. And in that last Zoom meeting, my like thing barely touched 15, 15 minutes. And I'm like, I got off the phone. My girl Penny wasn't on that Zoom meeting. Um, she was a little bit lower level at the time. So I call her my like, penny. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I effed us. I was, I was like, I, I blew it. I was like, we got so far. We were so close. I was like, I friggin' screwed it. And she was like, relax, relax. And I think that was probably in January, February, March, March or April. So the last thing you do for them, it like at least interview wise, March and April, and you do some psych exams, this and that, but you really don't hear anything. So finally coming up in June, in June, like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, they'd start asking for some more information and, you know, you know, it's getting you close and you're like, dude, they're going to tell me or not. Cause obviously you're trying to get your life going on. I was moving from New York to, or excuse me, from Florida to New York at the time. So I finally, I get to New York, you know, and then I get a phone call. I think I got to New York like the 15th and they're like, Hey, uh, we're going to come and do some filming in case you're on the show. Cause they really don't tell you. They're like, in case you're on the show, we don't know yet, but they're like, we're going to do filming if you're on the show and they give you the key and stuff. Um, so finally, I think they came to me on like June 22nd. So June 21st, they called and my moving truck isn't there from Florida to New York yet. So I have like nothing. I have nothing. To, I have like one little small suitcase with clothes that I drove from Florida to New York. So somebody calls me and they're like, hey, uh, just making sure you're ready to go for the shoot tomorrow. Like anything you need. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I was like, question. I was like, should I be ready to leave New York tomorrow? Like to go to California? Like and they were like, uh, we can't definitely say, but they were like, if I were you, I'd be ready. So I hopped my ass in the mall, uh, in the car. I went to the mall, went to Target. Everything I wore in the house was brand new because my moving truck wasn't there yet. So I didn't have anything. But yeah, it was a crazy experience. They really do a great job. And maybe it's because this was my first experience. So I really had no idea if I was doing good, bad, okay. You know, you kind of get a vibe from people. But they truly, after April, they ghost you for like a month or two. And I was in grad school. I didn't know if I should sign up for classes. I didn't know if I should find another football job. So you really got to take a chance on yourself. You know, and CBS took a chance on me. I'll always be grateful for. Um, I only made it two weeks. So, you know, I don't know if I was great. Um, but I had a blast doing it. It was life changing. I wouldn't change anything for the world, for sure. Absolutely. And after all of that, and you get into the Big Brother house, was when you walked in and you looked around, was it everything that you dreamed of? Was it exactly what you were expecting? Was it a little bit different? What went through your mind the second you walked in the house for the first time? Yeah. So the best way I try to explain it to people is, you know, everything I expected, but nothing like I expected at the same time. You know, it's a lot where 
Yes, meeting Julie Chen. Julie Chen is friggin' beautiful. Um, unbelievable. She looks unreal in person. You walk into the house and you don't know whether to run, scream, like this, that. Like, it's just madness. It truly is madness. And, like, we came into the house. I was the third group. The one thing, like, if you're a Big, big Brother fan, you never want to be the last person to go into the house or the last group because you're just, like, connections already start. And even if it's just facial expressions, a couple conversations, you never want to be the last group, you know? So I walk into the house. The house is empty because they had, they put our luggage in there. So usually they have you carry a bag and they put your other luggage in later, but they put everything in the house for us already. So the house looked untouched, brand new. So I'm like, oh great, I'm the first group. And then finally I meet the couple other house guests I walk in with, and then we walk to the backyard and see everybody else. And we were the last group. Oh my God, dude, come on, dude, come on. Um, but yeah, it truly was amazing. Um, it's a little bit different than you expect it because it is a house. They do a great job. They give you everything you could possibly need, but it's also a TV set at the same time, you know, so it's 60 degrees to keep everything cool. I think probably to keep us awake, to keep the cameras cool. So it's actually always usually freezing in there. The lights up top, they have super, you know, bright stage lights, uh, which will blind you. So that's why I was always like, why do people wear, always wear long sleeves in the house and why do people have sunglasses on? That's because it's frigging cold and it's bright as hell. So definitely uh, a little bit different for sure. Yeah, Pooch, when you were in the house, um, you had this bond with Joseph, <laughs> the other Joseph. It's like Joseph yeah, Squared. Joe Squared, um, for sure. Yeah, you had a kind of like a bromance with him. Do you plan on keeping friendships outside of the house with him or anybody else and, you know, continuing that friendship? Yeah, so that was the thing. I guess as a Big Brother fan, the easiest way you want to go into the house and you want to hope that, you know, people suck or you don't like the people because then it makes it easier, you know, because you just get their ass out. It's not really you don't have to worry about personal agendas or relationships after the house because you're like, I don't like this person. I'm not going to hang out with them in the house, nor would I hang out with them out of the house. And it was so tough because everybody was so frigging cool. And it's you have a respect for everybody in that house because you know how hard they worked to get in it. It was not easy, especially I don't know if it's because I'm not from the television background. I never did anything like this. It was a lot, you know, it's yes, get it, send in the video. It was uh, making that was easy, the 30 second video, but the whole process is uh, very difficult. You have to put your life on pause. You got to take a chance on yourself. So I right away respected everybody in the house, you know, and especially I said the same thing with the guys, like my game plan going in was, you know, I want to go after big, strong guys, you know, get them out of the game, show, you know, that I'm not scared to like make big moves. And then I go into the house and every guy was freaking awesome, you know, and I'm, having the sports background, the uh, coaching background, being in a lot of locker rooms. I'm a bro's bro. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a guy's guy. You know, if you're – I love just mess. I went to an all-Catholic boys high school, dude. It was something where guys just mess around all day. You know, and I think that's hysterical. It's fun. Uh, obviously, you understand each other. We can relate to a lot of things, sports-related, you know, different things. So, um, yeah, I would definitely be hanging out with a lot of people in the house after, I think – well, right off the bat, there's not one person I would say I would never hang out with. And I truly feel that way. Um, Joseph, that's my guy. Absolutely. But it's so crazy because people see that and they would think that was my closest relationship in the house. My closest relationship in the house was actually Turner. Me and Turner are friggin' like this, man. And uh, I know a lot of people said they saw it, but I don't even think they saw as much as, you know, me and Turner. We'd stay up till three, four, five in the morning. We were always the last two up talking about life, game. Like me and Joseph, I love Joseph, but me, we usually really talk just life things and, you know, just guys being guys and working out sports, girls, um, you know, and we didn't talk too much game here and there, but me and Turner, that was my final two uh, from the beginning. And that's probably my closest relationship in the house, but I truly do love, uh, you know, all the, everybody in the house, but I tried to start the all guys Alliance. Um, Cause I thought they could have went really, you know, 
really strong, took us deep. We didn't win one of the first two HOHs, HOHs, which hurt us. And I think that's when a bunch of people started jumping off board. Uh, but that happens. No bad blood. I guess it's a game. But I can't wait to see all of them after the house for sure. Uh, you know, it was funny. My next bullet point to talk to you about was Turner because he just seems like such an interesting cat. And I was wondering what your actual relationship with him was, because I don't know if you've gone back and watched. And I guess this could be kind of like a two part question. Like, did you go back and watch what was going on while you were in the house? Like, did you see who voted against you and who voted you out and stuff like yeah. so the cameras made it look like Joe was definitely your boy. But I want to know a little more about Turner, too. Yeah, so it's crazy. I actually, if I was on the show a little bit longer, because I've read things before going on the show, that house guests usually don't watch their season until about a year after. Um, and I guess it depends how long you were on, because it would be a lot to catch up. But I only had like six or seven episodes. And, you know, I'm a, I truly am a diehard Big Brother fan. And it's like, now that I know the people in the house, I know the way they think, I know the way they act, I, you know, it's like, I know them firsthand. So why wouldn't I? I love the game and I love the people in the house. So why wouldn't I watch, you know? Um, so it's something where, yes, I finally called up a few days ago. Uh, I'm up to date. So I'm super excited for tonight's episode. I'll definitely be tuning in. I've been trying to, you know, put out a lot of content on Instagram, social media, uh, TikTok, Twitter. Um, so I have a blast with it. But yes, my boy Turner, man. I, it's hysterical because we're so different dudes. You know, I'm more whatever from the sports background, clean cut, whatever, Turner, tattoos, long hair. And it's like when you walk into the backyard, it was hysterical. We called it like the gladiator because it felt like you're just in and you're surrounded and there's people from the rafters. You have production up top. You know, we, have, we were down the bottom, never saw each other before. So like, like anything else in life, you eye people down, first impressions, which nobody should really ever do because they're usually not right. But me and Turner, we talked after, and it's hysterical because we both looked at each other in our mind and we talked about this. And we were like, okay, that guy, probably not going to be on my side. And I don't know how it happened or truly how the connection formed so fast because I don't have one friend in my real life that looks like Turner. And I don't think he has one friend that looks like me, which is hysterical, you know. And it's he is so freaking cool, man. And I'm, he's such an interesting, amazing, smart, talented dude. And it was so cool because once we realized we were so close on day one or day two, we were like, dude, let's make a final two. I was like, people will not realize we're working together. I was like, people probably won't even think we like each other. But we liked each other so much where we were next to each other 24-7. It was hysterical because people would be in the HOH room. And if I'd be in there, you'd see Turner walking around. And they'd be like, oh, he's looking for Pooch again. He's looking for Pooch. And like whenever I'd walk to the HOH room, and it was just by chance. It's not like he was looking for me. As soon as I would walk up there, like five minutes later, he'd walk in and everybody would be like, oh, there he is. He was looking for Pooch. And I'm like, dude, this is hurting our game and we don't even realize it. Um, but, yeah, I would have loved to kept our relationship under wraps. But I think people knew right away um, if they kept me and Turner in the game. He was the one person I knew would always have my back. Because when you're in that house, you get paranoid, dude. I promise you, uh, when I was that Wednesday before I got evicted, I was sinking. And I knew I was sinking um, and I was doing everything I could to help myself. But it was just too late. Um, so if you can have a reliable person in the house, you know, for a fact, because th you think there's people that are on your side, but you truly never know. You know, that house is so friggin it's so big, but so small at the same time. And things happen right around the corner and you don't even realize it happening. Uh, so knowing I had Turner in the house, you know, as my guy in the game and in real life, personal was amazing, man. Love him. Shout out. Hope he wins. If not, I hope to see him soon for sure. When I sat down to watch the premiere of Big Brother 24 and they were showing everybody's intro and they show Pooch and Pooch is on the big screen and he's got this explosive personality 
Uh, I was vibing with them. I, I liked you right off the get-go. But then you broke one of Big Brother's biggest rules, and you volunteered to go dude. up as a pawn. Do you regret that, and why would you do that? You know that's, like, one of the biggest rules. Dude, and that's the thing is people is like, oh, he's probably a recruit. Like, he didn't watch the show. You know, somebody reached out to him. Dude, I know. And the thing, the biggest thing is there were a lot of recruits in that house, people that were asked or, uh, you know, reached out by CBS or producers. And I was like, OK, these people don't know the show. They don't know that pawns go home. Like they won't even realize that there's a big opportunity to take out a, a threat in the house, a male figure, a threat who could be with the guys. And they're going to miss it. Like I would talk about it in the diary room sessions. And it's hysterical because the way they work is like you say a bunch and they ask you questions and then they just pick and choose what they want. So they would love when I said, hey, I feel comfortable, like I'm a good spot in the game. And then I would say, but if the girls don't vote me out and take Taylor and use Taylor on their side, and now they get one guy out, they take Taylor, who's like a free agent, and they use Taylor, I was like, they'd be dumb. You know what I mean? And in a sense, they did half of the plan right. They voted my ass out, but they didn't figure out, they didn't take the other half and use Taylor and really start working with Taylor, which the guys did. And that's why the guys were able, because if the girls stayed as strong as they were and took Taylor, the guys would have been in trouble. Thank God Turner won that next HOH after I got evicted. And, you know, I, he's smart because he made the right move of getting out of Mira because and I love Amira, but she was the one that took me out and she's a strong female or woman threat in the game. Um, so Turner made a great move by that. But yes, at the end of the day, I hate to say I have any regrets, uh, you know, but I regret obviously because that's why I'm sitting here talking to you guys, which is awesome. And I'm super happy I am. Uh, but I would have loved to be in that house still because I was hoping to go down as, you know, before going on the game, one of the, you know, greatest big brother players ever. Because those, you know, Dan Giesler, who's a football coach, I look up to uh, Dr. Will, you know, Mike Boogie, Janelle, a lot of great big brother players. Um, and I wanted to be on that list of people. And I think what hurt me was that in a way, because I was starting to build my resume from week one and two. You know, I was trying to say, hey, because that first week where um, – they put it was Michael and Terrence on the block. And then I can't remember who won the veto, used the veto, and then they put up Taylor. Um, and I was trying to from not the get-go, but from after the because I was like, okay, Terrence isn't a threat to me physically, and Michael didn't start winning competitions yet. And I knew um Taylor, you know, I can I compare myself to Taylor because me and her both do things uh competitively, semi-professionally. She worked it was a contestant for pageants, I was a football coach. So the one thing about people who compete for a living, we love to win. We love to win and we will never count ourselves out. So that's why people get mad that I compare myself to Taylor. But I hope she would do the same because something where that's our job. Our job's to win, you know, and it's something where it, it probably hurt me later on. But I was like, hey, if I could get this this strong woman figure out of the house, you know, and I could put that on my resume and speak about it later during the whole jury process and say, hey, I threw little tidbits out there to help, you know, get Taylor out. And you guys didn't even realize it or know that I was kind of behind it. Um, and I knew Taylor would be such a good player. That's why week two, I knew if we kept Taylor in the house or for too long, she would form strong relationships. She would be a strong player in the game. So I wanted to keep the heat on her while, while the block was hot, you know? So I was like, okay, like, cause that, that HOH where Jasmine won, it was a late one. We did it. It was two competitions, the obstacle course and the piving contest. So we didn't finish till like 11 o'clock at night that night. So as soon as it ended, you know, you don't want to talk game like right away. I want Jasmine to enjoy it. But once she got in her HOH room, I ran in there with a mirror. I was like, hey, Jasmine, I'm going to make your HOH easy. Put me up 
put uh, Taylor up. I was like, I won't be mad at you. Let's get Taylor out of the game. And I knew I tried to, I really thought the girls for whatever reason, didn't get along with Taylor. And I thought they wouldn't be able to, you know, see past their differences. And I really thought that Taylor was going to be the one going home. And then, you know, I could just use that to my advantage. Uh, but, you know, obviously I regret it now. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy because I see the way the leftovers, the Alliance formed where I think it was Monty, Kyle, Turner, uh, Michael, Brittany, uh, and Taylor, if I didn't say Taylor, uh, but I absolutely thought I would have been a part of that. It was something where, you know, they had the girls and then Michael and Brittany were kind of like with the girls, but on the outside of the girls. And then they made the right move. Cause I think Michael and, uh, uh, Brittany knew getting me out was probably very smart, you know, as a, as a threat and, uh, somebody who, you know, I'll, I'm a hard person to sway. The biggest thing, keeping people in that game that have a mind that you can't really sway like, uh, Taylor, Amira, Nicole, with three of the women in the house that I thought, no matter what, you know, it'd be hard to flirt with, be hard to sway, be hard to, you know, change their mind once their mind's changed you know, or made up, you know, and you want to keep people around in the game that you're aligned with or people that you feel like you kind of sway their decisions. Um, so they made the right move because it would have been hard. And I was saying that in the DR, I said, hey, if they don't vote my ass out right now, I was like, they're going to regret it because I say I'm cool with them now. I'm working with them. I did this to earn their trust. But I was like, if I if I stay this week and I'm on the uh, HOH and I could put two people on the block, it probably would have been one of the girls, you know. So they made the, a very small gameplay move. I can't be mad at them. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to stay longer and obviously not put myself up as a pawn. I think I just played too hard, too fast, which you know that's life, man. You're gonna take risks. Sometimes they work out. I took risks. It got me in the show. It started my coaching career. Um, but I've took risks to have backfired in my face, just like this one. So you just you live and you learn. Absolutely. And you were for sure probably spot on. Like getting you out was definitely, I don't want to sound rude or anything, but like it was smart by the other players because you were obviously uh, someone who could obviously go on and win competitions and form social. But you pointed out that if they kept Taylor, that would also be a mistake. And that is somewhat what led to the leftovers coming out and existing was like people in that group were like, holy shit, they treat her like dog crap. A lot of mm-hmm. the stuff, and I'm sure you've gone back and watched, Taylor really did nothing wrong and seeing no. guys, people like Daniel and Nicole kind of like gang up on her a little bit when she really didn't do anything. Like she screamed at her for something she thought she meant when she clearly didn't. And now the leftovers existed and they backdoored one of the probably stronger players in the whole game in Amira. Are you a little happy to see that the person you went up against went on and kind of caused destruction. Like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't have voted me out. And also the person that suffered for it was the person that led to your demise in the show. Absolutely. And I think this is truly, I know, I don't know if people, it seems like people are enjoying the season. This has been a crazy season, two big back doors, you know, where, um, you know, <coughs> obviously with Paloma leaving, uh, wish her the best. I've spoke to Paloma. She's doing well, it was very unfortunate, but for the first after Paloma leaving, for me to get back toward Amir to get back toward, I think two very, I think me and Amir would have been threats in the game. Absolutely. So for the first two weeks for two big threats like that to go home, I think it's been a great season. You know, I wish I could have been there longer, but I think, you know, people are playing the game, which we love. There's not too many people who are necessarily floating on by. Um, but yeah, I know if I stayed, I would have caused chaos. You know, it got to a point. I'm that person. I think it would have helped the guys. I'll draw that line. You know, I'll draw, when it gets to that point, I'll draw the line and say, yo, I got my side. You got yours. Like, 
may the best man, best woman win, you know? And I think the guys could have used that at some point, somebody who would like basically eat the bullet. Cause I would have ate the bullet. Um, but I love that Taylor's causing chaos. You know, I love it. Um, I knew she'd be a good player and people are questioning me. They're like, you say Taylor was a threat before you even knew her before you said you had, she had a big personality, this and that. Everything I say, I have a reason for When I walked into the backyard and was the backstage boss, I walked upstairs. I missed a big golden chair. That's about seven feet tall. I know you guys probably saw that. That was not an act. I walked my ass right by it. Um, and one of the first person I heard that yelled down was Taylor, who was like, pooch, pooch, you missed a chair. Like, you missed a chair. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. But everybody else was pretty quiet. So I knew, okay, this girl's comfortable with speaking. She's got a little bit of a big personality. With, if you guys see my personality, just like me, you know? So I, once again, people get mad. I saw a little bit of myself in Taylor, you know, and I knew she'd be a threat. Um, but like you said, you know, I – I love Taylor and I can't like the whole thing going on with uh, Daniel and Nicole, what they did. I do not think it's right. I will absolutely say that. You know, I think Taylor truly wanted to make sure that Nicole's mom was okay. I don't think she was playing mind games, this and that, but that's where I say when you're in the house, you're paranoid. You get so friggin' paranoid where somebody's trying to make sure that your family's okay, you know, and then you think they're doing something gameplay wise. And that's where I'm not going to make excuses. I never would, but I understand where when you're in the house, you do and say things that you wouldn't do in your normal life because, you know, you're playing a game and you can't, you don't know who you could trust because there's people going around your back. You know, there's people that are backstabbing, lying, you know, not cheating, but almost doing as much as they can close to cheating to win the game, to win the money for their families. So at the end of the day, you just, you don't know what to believe, you know, and you try to go with your gut feeling and your gut's not always right. You know, I think that uh, Nicole will definitely, hopefully, I think she'll realize that, that she was just, Taylor was caring, you know, hopefully caring to make sure that Nicole's mom was okay, which I believe was the case. Um, but yeah, it's something where for that, it's just because in the way I'll, I'll say it off too, it's like things like I know because I have a big personality, I was rubbing people the wrong way a little bit. People will be like, yo, Pooch is hysterical. Uh, we love him. But he'll teeter-totter. And I saw videos of it where they're like, yo, we love Poosh, but we think he'll start to rub people the wrong way later in the game because I have a big personality, you know. I I crack those jokes that not everybody will, you know. I've seen nothing that's, you know, bad or would be offensive. But I crack jokes that are like borderline, okay, should he say, should he not? Um, you know, I mess with people. I love hard, you know. I laugh even harder. Um, so it's something where just like Taylor, like um, – there was one day, the first week, she put on, and Taylor is a beautiful, gorgeous girl. She put on a beautiful dress. It, she looked amazing. She put it on, and she was like, this is my final, this is my finale dress. And she looked gorgeous. She looked amazing. But, like, when you do things to put a target on your back, like, I love Taylor. She looked amazing in the dress, but I went around and was like, hey, I was like, can you believe that she, like, is that confident where it's week one and she's going to think, she thinks she's going to, you know, be sitting on finale night? And I didn't, I didn't give a shit that she put the dress on. I was happy. She looked amazing. But anything that you could or that somebody does that you could try and use against them or show them as a target, especially that early on, you know, because everybody's being so friendly. You move into the house. Everybody's friend loving each other, which is true. You know, you get to meet a lot about everybody. Everybody truly was amazing. But if anybody gives the smallest reason to put them on the block, um, you know, you try, to, you try to use it to your advantage. So, yes. And I said that I will not apologize for for other people and things they did in the house. Um, you know, I will let them do that on their own. It was all grown, you know, men and women. And I feel like a lot of them will do that. Um, the only thing I really can apologize in the house is cursing, man. I, I, being a football coach, 
I use the F word way too much. I use the B word way too much, especially with fe- uh, women or females. I should have never said that. It's disgusting. Uh, I use the word mother effer way too much. So I apologize for my language. Absolutely. But anything game related, you know, yes, I have to over exaggerate. One of my favorite clips is I'm talking to Terrence upstairs and I'm like, yo, Taylor's a mosquito. Like she gets nine lives. We got to get her out, this and that. And that's because I was going on the block against her. You know, I couldn't not, you know, campaign against just like Taylor probably was against me. Um, It was something where people like, why did you say Taylor would be loud and blow up? I said that because I want to make sure that she got backdoored, you know, because you, if there's somebody you're trying to get out of the game, you don't give them a chance to win the veto. Anybody that watches, you know, Big Brother, you know, if you get somebody else and they didn't even have a chance to save themselves from the veto, that's the best thing in the game, you know, because then your, your mission's accomplished. They don't have a chance to save themselves. So, yes, I had to sell very hard, you know, that Taylor being on the block would be, you know, she'd be loud, this and that, because I wanted just her to not be put up. Because the week I went home, I was trying to put up me and Brittany, right? I was trying to make sure me and Brittany go up because this way, you know, there's no way Taylor automatically plays for the veto unless she's picked. And I was like, anybody could win the veto. And then if we still want, we put up Taylor, she goes home. And that's what happens. Um, but honestly, which is crazy, in the mermaid competition, I wish Taylor won. Because if Taylor won and she took herself off, so they either would have put up Ma, uh, Joseph because they saw our relationship or Monty. And Monty and Joseph are both more physical threats than me. So honestly, if Taylor, Taylor won that veto, which I was hoping she didn't at the time, but if she did, it really would have helped my game and I might have been still sitting there. We have a question in the chat. Pooch, did you try the slot? Yes, yes. So another thing I learned from the Big Brother show is I will never volunteer for anything again. I volunteered to be a have-not, and I volunteered to put myself on the block, and neither of those decisions, you know, worked out in my favor. So, yes, I tried slop. I was a have-not the week I went home. I thought it would buy me some good grace if I volunteered. It did nothing for me. I slept <laughs> on the floor. I took cold showers. I ate slop, and uh, they still sent my ass home. So, yeah, being a have-not was not fun. I would not suggest it. You watch the show and you think it's really not that bad. Dude, it's so bad where I was eating Tums, little Tums for your stomach as dessert. People on Twitter were dying. You know, they were roasting me. But all you can have is like slop, cough drops, uh, pickles, olives, uh, salsa. They give you like a little list of things you can have, and it's not a very long list. So, you know, I was crushing some Tums. I have a sweet tooth. That was my dessert. But, yes, slop is not the way to go especially seven days in a row. It's not fun, I promise. That's funny. Frank, do you have anything left for Pooch before we let him wrap things up? Yeah, just uh, just want to get your opinion on not who you're, who you want to win Big Brother, but who is the favorite right now to win Big Brother? So it's crazy because the last 24 hours, I truly think it's changed. So I thought Kyle was in a great position because the girls, Alyssa loved him, you know, but he wasn't playing in. So she kept trying, you know, and Kyle had the support of the guys and the leftovers. So I thought Kyle, you know, was in a great spot. And I, I, I Kyle's mom just texted me a little bit ago. I was talking about it with uh, Rachel Riley. Me, Kyle's mom, have, as soon as I got off the show, she reached out. She's been amazing, amazing woman, amazing family. Um, but it's something where now I hope – because and no one speaking his family and knowing Kyle, he lo- he falls not falls in love, but he makes a connection fast. And I think y'all could see that connection with Alyssa. It's growing. It's becoming larger. And people are going to see that. And people are going to see it as a threat. So now, you know, kind of not knocking his gameplay, but thinking that could possibly come in the way a little bit. I think that might be a little bit of an issue. So I think maybe 
I think Joseph is loved. You know, I think Monty's loved, but they're both physical threats. So no matter how much people like them, it's always going to come up. Hey, should we take it to take the shot at them? Which it helps protect them a little bit because if you miss that shot, you might be screwed the next week. But I think people are going to take that shot. Um, you know, I think Michael and Brittany are doing a good job of laying low, but not laying too low. I think Michael winning a bunch of competitions might hurt him later on. Um, I'm trying to think who else. My boy Turner, I think they'll eventually – he's too much on the outside of too many groups where, like, I think Monty and Joseph are like this. I think Kyle and Melissa are like this. The girls, obviously, a lot of them still have each other's back. So I think, unfortunately, they'll be one week where Turner – and I love him to death. That's my guy, but I feel like he'll be too much on the outsides. So I really think it's anybody's game. I would have said Kyle two days ago, um, and I still think he's in an okay spot. I just hope he doesn't let this affect his game too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I truly believe it's anyone's games. I think that the next couple HOHs are going to be critical, critical, like huge, because that's going to make or break. And I still think because if you see there's been a bunch of strong competitors, strong personalities going home, and I think that trend will continue, you know, over the next two or three weeks. So I think the HOHs, you know, the one thing we've learned from the season is that people aren't scared to take big shots, which I didn't think this cast would because everybody's been so likable and very cool. Um, but they're not scared to play the game. So I give them credit. I'm excited to see. I truly think it's anyone's game. That's great. And just to circle back on that slop question really quick, can you describe what it was? Yeah, so it's basically like dry a dry oatmeal. And it's not that it's awful. It's just it's so bland. It's a, it's like you're, t- you're eating the same thing every day. There's no flavor to it. I, you know, they give you enough vitamins and protein and stuff to add to it to make sure you're getting your daily value nutrients. Uh, but it's just, it's unenjoyable. It's unenjoyable. The, the night I got off slop, so I think it was Wednesday night at 12 going into Thursday. And I had a feeling my time in the house was coming to an end anyway. I didn't know for sure, but I knew I was in a little bit of trouble. I had, I think it was Nicole and maybe Indy helped and a bunch of people made quesadillas, tacos at 12 at night. I had two big bowls of cookie dough ice cream. So I was living my best life at uh, that uh, Wednesday night at 12. But, yeah, the slop is it's just it's just bland, man. I don't suggest anybody eating dry oatmeal for uh, a week straight. <laughs> That's awesome. And do you have do you have the ability to say anyone that you hope does not win Big Brother? Like if that person wins, it'll be like your least favorite team in the NFL wins the Super Bowl. Uh, honestly, and I've been asked this question, like who, who I thought was the worst player in the house or disliked. I really don't know. You know, anybody, I don't know everybody's financial situation. So honestly, the best way I would say it is whoever doesn't need the money, you know? So it's something where, you know, like I know I absolutely is a 24 year old, you know, unemployed right now. Your boy needs a job. I'm working on it. I really want to get into sports media, maybe do something with bar stool. You know, if I'm, if I would be, you know, I would be blessed. I'd be a great opportunity. Um, but anybody who doesn't need the money, you know, cause I know there's a lot of people in that house that really do. So, you know, I have my personal favorites. Um, but at the end of the day, if somebody, whoever financial needs it the most, that's who I want to win. Cause I, I, you know, everybody knows how crazy the world is. You know, I was the most unstressed when I was in the house cause I didn't have to worry about a job. I didn't have to worry about bills. I didn't have to worry about, you know, all the real life bullshit, which sucks at the end of the day. So if somebody could win, change their life, change their family's life, that's who I want to win. You know, and if somebody's doing uh you know super well financially and they don't need to win you know that that would be the least person i would want to win honestly absolutely frank anything else i think uh i think you answered all the questions i had me too me too pooch we cannot thank you enough for coming on our show we hope to have you back maybe we could get turner back one time maybe we could get like a whole i promise (laughs) 
Yes, that's at all. And obviously, I know everybody's going to be having like a, a crazy schedule once they get out of the Big Brother house, especially the people that are in there that were in there even longer than me. But if there's one person who I could not tell, be like, yo, Turner, we're doing a uh, podcast or interview, and he'll be like, yo, that's sick. Like, let's do it. It would be Turner. So let's make that happen. I'm going to make sure I get all y'all uh, cell phone number, contact information so we can do that with Turner. And then when I come to Chicago, we can see a game for sure. Absolutely. Very much looking forward to it. And we could have you on with or without Turner to talk. You know, sports Absolutely. and what's sports going on. I got a baseball show here too, so I'm I'm excited about it. I'm excited to have you on. Tell people what's next for Pooch before you leave and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, absolutely, man. So life's been crazy. I've been doing a lot on uh, putting out a lot of content, Big Brother and sports related on my Instagram, all my social media, which is on the screen. It's Poochie underscore main, just like Gucci main. I feel like it's catchy, easy to remember. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing a lot of Instagram, TikTok stuff. I honestly, what I'm hoping to do is really get involved and dive into the sports media world, just like you guys are doing. And something I really want to do this year is now not being coaching and having that crazy schedule. I want to travel to about maybe five, six different college football, you know, universities, big universities, and kind of do like a behind the scenes game day in the sense where, you know, go to a tailgate. I haven't been to a tailgate in years, dude, years because I've been coaching. So I want to, I love tailgates. It's been years. I want to go do that whole thing, you know, hang out, party with fans, talk a little football. And I still know enough coaches in the industry of big universities where I feel like, I feel like I can get some good footage, some good clips and make some great content out of it. Um, so it's something I really hope to do. Um, and kind of just dive into the sports media world because I love sports, man. I feel like I have a crazy sense of humor, you know, which I hope people enjoy. So, yeah, really, really, I love sports. My one love, that and big brother for sure. So I really hope to get involved more. Absolutely. And we're rooting for you. Advice, yeah. the Big Ten, SEC, Michigan tailgate, Arkansas tailgate. Underrated, outstanding time. People are fun. Drinks are flowing. It's a real good time in those two spots. Those are the two I've been to that I enjoyed the most out of them all. So, Pooch, thank you so That's much. That's awesome. Good, no, good to know. Thank you guys so much for having me, man. I'm sure yeah, and I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you guys because you guys are obviously already doing what I really want to get into. So any advice you guys could give me, we'll definitely be in touch, man. That would be truly amazing. I appreciate that. Thank you, Pooch. Absolutely. Any anytime, awesome. Pooch, you guys so reach much. out and we'll have you on again soon. Everybody, that is Pooch awesome. from Big Brother Season 24. And with that, we are going to send you to period number two. Welcome to period two, Frank. Before we get into the sports ball, what do you think? That was incredible. I mean, so easy to talk to. Such a nice guy. I love the vibes. I love the personality. It was just, it was a fantastic interview. I didn't mean to cut you off when we first started. I just wanted to hear him call you a super fan before you got going. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree with him. I think there's like the casual fans, the super fans, and then like you're a cream of the crop. You can ask him anything and they'll A plus 100% the test. Like I can't tell you who won the third week veto in season 14. Like, but there are people out there that, but there, but there are people out there who who do that, and it's just like, I can't. But I still would consider myself a super fan. I legitimately think that would be like knowing that would be like the equivalent of knowing what the White Sox record was on June first. <laughs> like, I am as diehard of a White Sox fan as there is in the state of Illinois. I wholeheartedly believe that I am in the top one percent. And I could not tell you what the hell their record was on June first. Like, so to me, that's just kind of like banana land. Yeah, it's it's wild. <laughs> um, you know, I really enjoyed the interview. 
Um, I can't thank Katie and you enough for getting me into Big Brother. I had never watched a single episode before this season was on, and now I had a, uh, an evicted house guest on the show, and maybe uh, one or two more come on before the Big Brother season is over. I, I don't want to say that I want Turner to get bounced now, but like, uh, if it means he's coming on this show for selfish reasons, I mean... I think there's a guarantee we see Pooch again on this show. Without question. And, man, he talked about wanting to work for Barstool. Like, hey, Pooch, you want to go work for Barstool together? Or maybe why don't you come work here for a little bit? Get, a, get your podcast game under the belt. Maybe maybe me and him could host Crosstown Crosstalk together. I don't know. But, I mean, it's it was a good time. I enjoyed that a lot. And thank you to Katie for the question in the chat about slop. That is something I would have never thought to ask him, and I'm kind of glad I know what it was. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot to ask him that. You know, would you being, eat slop? Huh? Would you eat slop? Well, I will one day when I'm on the show. So okay, okay. Go ahead with your question. Um, I was gonna say, well, since he's such like a big Blackhawks fan, yeah, I could just see him coming on this show to talk about the Hawks, and you know, yeah. imagine going to a game with them, and then we could like make a video for the show or just talk about like going to a game with him on the show with him. I don't know. I think there's a lot of possibilities here. There definitely are. So expect Poochie Maine to accompany Frank and I to a Blackhawks game this upcoming season. Maybe we'll go when they're like. I don't know, playing someone like I, I forget when the Devils come to town. I want to say it's actually in the second half of the year. Normally it's in the first half when New Jersey comes here, but I'll be going over there to Newark, hopefully in December. Fingers crossed. That's the plan. But um, I very much enjoyed that. And I didn't expect him to say that he liked hockey at all. Me either. Because like normally if you're not like a diehard, hockey's like your fourth sport. It actually kind of sounds like he enjoys being a fan of hockey more than anything else right now. That's what it sounded like. I mean, I, I just really couldn't believe he was a fan of the Hawks. And he was able to talk like in depth about him and, you know, talk about all the trades. And he, he talked about uh, Connor McDavid, but he talked about how he, Patrick Kane might get traded and he was worrying about it. Like when he was inside the house, because you have no connection with the outside world. So it's like, he knew his shit. Yeah, he definitely did. And once he got out, he like probably one of the first things he learned when he got out of the big brother's house, probably call mama, give her a nice kiss, kiss, and then realize that they traded Alex DeBrinkett and Kirby Doc, yeah, you know, to two Canadian teams. And he's talking about going to the Bell Center in Toronto and seeing a game in Edmonton. And you know how I feel about the Battle of Alberta. Maybe, maybe we'll get a Battle of Alberta trip with Pooch, and I'm not, I'm making extreme plans there, but. You know, it was good to know that he enjoys the game of hockey. I liked hearing his analysis on football, coaching against Justin Fields. I mean, that's pretty sick, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. you know, I just saw Fields in person today at training camp, and it was a lot of fun. I'm excited about what we got going on here at the Barroom Network with guys like this. Yeah, no, it's it's been fantastic. Great interview. Um, it's everything that we expected and more. So um, thank you again for Pooch, and we will see you again shortly. Absolutely. Uh, Boochie Maine and Poochie Maine are our two most recent guests on this show. How do you feel about that? I think it's hilarious. When I saw it, I go, oh, my God. When I saw that was his Twitter handle, like, because obviously I, I looked it up before the show. Like, I knew about Pooch when Big Brother started, so I, I was on Twitter. When I saw Poochie Maine, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I thought it, it was hilarious. Isn't it funny we had him on? He was the first one you brought up to me. Pooch? You asked me if I like heard the name or something like that, right? I'm pretty sure because Puccinelli or Puccinarelli or whatever the 
Ella's actual last name is, right? Pucciarelli. Yeah. Pucciarelli. And I was like, wait a minute. Because Nick Wayne has a friend named Puccinelli. That's his last name. Yeah. And I was like, huh, interesting. I'm like, is and, it the same guy? <laughs> yeah. Is, is he the first person from Big Brother you ever spoken to? Um, Spoken to, yeah. But I've gotten like, Dan's my favorite Big Brother player of all time. Like, uh-huh. he is the cream of the crop. He's legendary. He's probably the best player to ever play the game, in my opinion. And I've actually gotten, like, a message from him, like a video message that wasn't even, like, part of Cameo in anyth- or anything. It was, like, a personalized video from him to me, just, like, out of pure being nice. So yeah. I've had, like, interaction like that, but never, like, a conversation with somebody from Big Brother. That's awesome. Well, I hope it was as much fun for you as it was for me. Um, I'm... I'm a big fan of the show, but I only have this season under my belt, so I'm not going to call myself like a diehard or anything like that. But I would consider myself a diehard fan of this season, if that's allowed. Are you going to continue it next year? I will not miss an episode probably again in my life, I would think, I would hope. I mean, unless they like do something crazy, right? Like, There's no reason I'm not watching Big Brother anytime soon, so... You know, maybe I'll have that distinction of calling myself a super fan 10 years from now. But for right now, I just consider myself a very big fan of this current season going on. Like when you start bringing up names of people from the past, you know, Karen and freaking Dr. Octopus and a bunch of other people that you named. I'm I'm sitting here like I don't know any of this shit, but I appreciate like the following that it has. Big Brother in a way is like a sport. I mean, it's got players that compete. Huge. And, huge. I mean, there's a lot of that that goes on in sports. If you don't have a good personality and you don't make good relationships, you're going to fail. And, you know, that that's kind of what drew me to Big Brother is it's like a reality TV show sport. And instead of, you know, losing the game, getting you eliminated, being bad at the game gets you evicted. So it's a little bit different in that aspect. But, I mean, man. It was a lot of fun, and we got uh, Lisa in the chat saying maybe he will come for Sunday dinner. I'm sure the bibbidi-bobbidi in him would enjoy a nice pasta Sunday. Um, Thank you to Katie and uh, Skokes for being in the chat. And then, of course, Tom saying great job with Pooch. We'll chat soon. Yes, we will. Thank you for tuning in to everybody who enjoyed the Pooch interview, Big Brother Season 22. Make sure you catch the next episode tonight on ABC. Frank? Or CBS. Is it CBS? CBS. Yeah, whatever. Bunch of letters. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's, it's funny because the guy, he mentioned Dr. Will and Mike Boogie. They had this alliance, just the two of them. They're like best buds. They were called Chill Town. <laughs> and they would both go in the diary room and like make jokes. They'd go like this and be like, Bring! and then the other one would pick up and he's right next to him. And they would just have like these. Um, conversations with each other while they're right next to each other, like pretending they're on the phone. And then they would like say a joke and they would like laugh all crazy and they would just like, they were hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. And, I mean, we might have gotten robbed of that. And, huh? We might have gotten robbed of that with Pooch and either Turner or Joe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll see Dr. Will probably towards the end of the season when they go to the jury house lately recently in recent seasons he's been the one to kind of moderate it so you'll you'll see who he is eventually i think but yeah it was it was awesome awesome that's amazing 
And now we get to transition into just, you know, the rest of the BS that we have to talk about on this show. Um, we'll get back to Big Brother, though, in the third period. But for now, we're going to talk a little hockey. John Klingberg signs with the Anaheim Ducks, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, as some people still refer to them. Frank, I like this move for Anaheim. They're a young, upcoming team. And one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to be they're either going to do what the Kings did last year and surprise everybody because they got, you know, some young talent and, you know, guys like Jamie Drysdale and um, not Sonny Milano. He's gone, but like Trevor Zegris and, you know, guys like that supporting this team. Now you have John Klingberg. I'm wondering if they're going to make some noise. It's a one year deal. They could trade him at the deadline if they're a little bit too far out of a playoff spot. Nice move, in my opinion. I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest with you. Um, just that it's one year. You need to sign him to a longer extension. I just feel bad for Klingberg. I mean, the Ducks need offensive defensemen. And Klingberg's one of the best in the league in terms of being offensive on defense, which is great, right? But they need D-men to score. And personally, I don't think they're going to be that good this year. And with that being said, the one-year deal does nothing for you except if you trade him at the trade deadline for assets. That's it. And Verbeek doesn't want to sign D-Man to long-term contract extensions. Well, I hate to break it to him that if they want to have any success going forward, they're going to have to sign somebody to a long D-Man to a long-term contract. So I don't I don't like this move. I don't think the Ducks are going to be playoff worthy this year. Maybe a bubble team. And if I'm right, then the one-year deal is for nothing, in my opinion, because you could have just made him a longer, lengthy offer. Yeah, I just think it's going to be a little bit more sunshine than you think. Um, the Ducks, if they're bad, they'll they'll get like a first for them. That's and the only thing I could see. But it, if eh. they're good, they'll extend them. Is my thought. There's one defenseman that I compare him to, that I understand the worry of signing him to too long for. And that's Oliver Ekman Larson, an offensive defenseman from Sweden. That has nothing to do with the reason, but Oliver Ekman Larson was sick. And then all of a sudden he wasn't, and he still was on his six year, $6 million deal or whatever it was. And I don't know if people see that coming for Klingberg, but it is what it is. If anything, sign him to a three-year deal. Because I think by year three, the Ducks will be more of a contender than they will be this year. And if he's already willing to go to the Ducks for one year at $7 million, give him three years for $21 million. And I'm sure he would have gladly accepted that. I don't see him declining anytime soon. It just didn't make sense to me. So the Ducks don't the Ducks do not do much for you going into this upcoming season? After Not this year, but I think in about three years maybe. Then it'll be a different. Now we're talking maybe contenders for the cup. Never yeah. know. But I this year, signing him to one year just doesn't make sense. And I don't like Verbeek's comment about he doesn't want to sign D, offensive D-men or just D-men. I think just D-men to a long-term contract. I, I'm not saying you got to sit here and make the guy an eight-year offer for 50-something million. You don't have to do that. But at least middle of the pack, like three, four years, I mean, you don't have to splurge. But come on, one year? I mean, if he's willing to play for your Anaheim Ducks, then make it worth it for him. And we went into this show. I, when I wrote the sheet, I wasn't expecting this to happen yet. But there were 24 
players filing for arbitration in the National Hockey League. And for those who don't know, that's when restricted free agents who have to sign with their current team or get traded meet with an arbitrator um, to decide what their contract salary is going to be for the upcoming season. And the arbitrator can award a one-year deal for whatever the arbitrator just deems as the fair compensation for their service. For example, if I play for the Buffalo Sabres and Buffalo thinks I'm worth $5 million and they, uh, they put $5 million into the arbitrator, but I had 70 points in 60 games after I got called up and, you know, I believe I can help this Buffalo team going forward. I actually probably could score close to 90 points this upcoming season if I play the whole schedule and don't get hurt. I actually think I'm worth $6.1 million. I'll put my offer into the arbitrator at $6.1. Then the arbitrator will decide a number in between the $5 million and the $6.1 based on who they agree with more. And that's why arbitration is dangerous because it's the team saying, hey, we don't think you're worth what you think you're worth, but we still kind of like you. And it's the player saying to the team, I want more money. What do you mean you don't think? So it's it's just nasty business. I hate like whenever you see your favorite players going to arbitration, be mad about it because it's literally he said, she said on what they're about to make. And Jesper Bratt and uh, Andrew Manjapani of the Calgary Flames, Jesper Bratt of the New Jersey Devils, they came to a conclusion on their contracts and each got to one year deals. So I'm happy to hear that for both of them. I like both of those players. Um, what do you think of the whole situation with the rest of the remaining arbitration eligible players? And is there any story that's coming out of it that makes you want to talk about it right now? Well, it's funny because the two biggest names who are on the arbitration block were now they had deals made. So um, as far as the other 22 go, I looked briefly, and I don't remember a ton of uh, players on the list, so I can't really say names. And also, arbitration is only in two leagues. It's in the NHL, and I forgot the other one. Is it NFL? No, I believe MLB? it's in MLB. I think that's it. So not yeah. every league uses it because, like you said, it, it could be dangerous. Um, because the NFL has the franchise tag. If you're a restricted free agent – they could place a franchise tag on you and a franchise tag is worth X amount of money and you have you have to play when they sign you to a franchise tag. A lot of times in the modern day NFL, when a player gets a franchise tag placed on them, they hold out. Okay. You know, that that that's kind of that whole thing with that. So, ah, franchise tag has its pros and cons. Salary arbitrators have their pros and cons, at least with the franchise tag the NFL and the player don't have to fight with a, like a legal arbitrator. So right. that's kind of where that's at. I think if I was in the NHL, it probably wouldn't get to this point um, because I do think that players and the organization could exchange words more often and kind of, you know, go back and forth and try to figure out a deal that's worth it for both sides. Um, I just, I can't believe there's 22 other players in this arbitration. It's just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why, why it's happening. Like, just make, make up a deal. I mean, if you're worried about five million or six million, or be like, all right, I'll meet in the middle at five and a half million. And then if they don't want to do that, then it's like the team really doesn't want you. They're just set in stone on five million. Well, the arbitrator's probably going to give you a little more anyway. So before it even gets to this legal point, just, just figure out a way to fix it. 
You might remember back in 2018, um, William Nylander of the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't get a contract signed as an RFA before um, they were able to, and he wasn't arbitration eligible because he was too young. Yeah, you need four years, I think, right? Yes. And Nylander did not play. And there's a deadline. I want to say it's like right around Thanksgiving, maybe December 1st. I can't remember the exact day. It also might change based on the season when it starts, blah, blah, blah. Nylander signed with the Maple Leafs the day before the deadline. And if you don't reach the deadline of your holdout, you cannot play the rest of the season. And the Leafs added Nylander in 2018 by less than a day. They got it done in the witching hour, and Nylander was able to play. The Leafs made the playoffs for the first time in like five years. They lost to Washington in the first round, who ended up winning the Cup. But it was that first big year of the Austin Matthews era. And, yeah, not a lot of people remember that. So contract disputes in the NHL, they can get messy. Just don't let it get to that point. Yeah, I mean, you would think, uh, like, with Brat, they reached a deal worth, I wasn't in the fives, I want to say, and the Devils went to arbitration something in the fours, and Brat went into arbitration something in the sixes, and I'm like, the dude had 70 points in 76 games or something, like, crazy, like, he led an NHL team in scoring, you can argue he's worth seven, what are you doing offering him for New Jersey? Now the thing people have to realize is sometimes it's just negotiation tactic. But like after this one-year deal, let's say he goes out there and he's playing with one of he, Shira, Hughes, and he puts up another 70 to 80-point season. Hughes has 100 points. He, sure has 80. Selkie Trophy consideration. Devils make the playoffs. Jesper Bratt's going to be getting a nice payday. So I appreciate him betting on himself this year, and I'm rooting for number 63 to go out there and be one of New Jersey's best players so he can get the bag. Do you know what it's kind of like? It's like you never shoot high when you're the one making an offer. You always um, – or no, wait. You're never – the one where somebody's coming to you or like you have power – like the Devils, for example. You don't want to shoot high. Because if he's like, I'll take four, then, oh, I got to steal. He'll, he'll take four to play with me. You always want to shoot low, see what they say, and then you could be like, all right, I'll give you five. And he's like, nah, how about five and a half? And be like, all right, I'll do five and a half. But this way you lowered them down from what they were at, and you started low anyway. It works out. That's why I just I don't believe in the whole arbitration system because I think it could all be worked out just by talking and negotiating. Um, but, yeah, I agree. If that was part of the devil's tactics, just always shoot low. And you never know. And then you could just work your way up from there. And obviously, yeah. if you're the player, I'm going to shoot high, right? Yeah, we watch an episode of like Pawn Stars or something. Somebody brings in this retro comic book and they're like, I want 10 grand for it. They shoot high. And obviously, the, the pawn artist or whatever, the people on the car, they're going to shoot lower. They meet in the middle. I mean, that's just everyday life. Absolutely. So somebody who's been a big person on this show that we talked about frequently, I know Joey's a big fan of him and so am I, is former San Jose Sharks forward that also spent a, a couple years there with the Toronto Maple Leafs and then capped it off with Pittsburgh before making one final like season appearance with the Sharks. Patrick Marlowe 
one of the greatest players the NHL has seen in the last 25 years. He will have his number 12 retired by the San Jose Sharks. Frank, your reaction? I think it's cool that he's having it retired on February 25th against the Chicago Blackhawks, which is that's just something cool for me. I love Patrick Marlowe. He holds the record for the most NHL games played at 1,779. Um, he also holds the Sharks franchise record in goals with 522 and 1,111 points. Those are both franchise Sharks records. Um, he's also, I thought this was a cool fact, that it's the first Sharks number retired in franchise history. Um well, not many people know the Sharks aren't that old of a franchise, so they haven't had too many. Years. Yeah, so they haven't had that many opportunities to have a number retired, but still it's going to happen eventually for every team, you would imagine. It's just a matter of time, and I think Patrick Marlowe is perfect for their first ever number to be retired. And I always thought it was cool that he went back to the Sharks to play for his final year. So, yeah, cool stuff, and I can't wait. I'll be watching, of course, against the Chicago Blackhawks. So, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, I really like Marlowe. He really helped Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner grow into great NHL players. The Leafs are forever in debt to him for that. They got to live at the Marlowe house for that whole season, and it, it was a lot of fun to be a fan of Marlowe over the last couple years. So I will be tuned in to that game against the Chicago Blackhawks where they retire his outstanding number 12. Frank, I have a confession to make. Okay. I'm obsessed with hockey prospects right now. It's all right. It's not a bad thing to be obsessed with. I know, but like I'm looking at prospects pretty much every single day, and I'm I'm excited about what's going on in the league right now. I mean, we talked about the list last week where the Athletic came out with their ranking, and Owen Power was number one. Shocking. Luke Hughes was number two. Um, Shane Wright was number three, and I believe Simone Nemich was number four, if I remember correctly. So two devils in the top four. Mm-hmm. The Devils' defense is just outstanding with Hughes, Nemich, and then Seamus Casey, who was drafted in the second round this year, is probably going to quarterback their second power play unit with Michigan this year. So Hughes and Casey are going to be with Michigan this year, two big-time Devils prospects. Um, I know you are probably pretty interested in prospects lately too since that's kind of the M.O. of the Chicago Blackhawks right now. Um, it's a good time to be a fan of hockey prospects, eh? Yeah, I really like the prospects the Hawks have too. I was having a conversation with Tom yesterday, and I told him I'm really looking forward to this Blackhawk season because I'm so excited to see these young guys play. Even though I know the Hawks aren't going to be the best team to watch, it's still going to be fun to see how well these prospects do out there on the ice. I'm I'm ready for them. I, I like a lot of them, a lot that are in their system, and I, I just can't wait to watch them, to be honest with you. I mean, it's already August. We're getting closer to October, so I'm getting excited. It's honestly kind of fun to follow prospects, too, because there's no expectations as far as winning and losing, but you, once they get called up, you get to be all excited for the game that night. And like being a fan of the Blackhawks and the Devils right now, there are going to be times, and I think the Devils are going to be a tad bit better but than last year, but there are other teams that have, like, not in the NHL, like Michigan, or, you know, maybe for some one team it's the Windsor Spitfires, or maybe it's the uh, Ottawa 67s, like any of the junior teams. Um, it'll be more exciting to keep up with those games than the actual NHL teams' games just because of what might be coming from those teams later on like 
I remember when the Devils were like kind of bad in 2017, like really, really bad. And it was pretty clear they had a chance at one of the top two picks. And it was Nico versus Nolan. And I remember like keeping up with the Halifax Mooseheads to see what Nico Heashier was doing and keeping up with the London Knights to keep up with what Nolan Patrick was doing. I remember when Lafreniere was playing for the Ramuski Oceanic. Like it was fun following that. So, you know, if your team's one of those teams dealing with prospects more than NHL talent right now, embrace it. It's fun. There's a lot to look forward to. Um, we've seen it with the White Sox and the Cubs in baseball. I remember when Robert and Jimenez and Moncada were all with the AAA Charlotte Knights. Like th- th- Those are fun times. I remember when the Cubs called up Jorge Soler and when Javier Baez made his debut, called up Wilson Contreras in 2016, Bryant in 2015. Like It's just fun to follow prospects. So if your hockey team is considered a bad hockey team right now, chances are you have that to watch for. There are teams that are competing for the Stanley Cup, and there are teams that are looking at their prospect pools getting all excited. There are teams like the San Jose Sharks, who we just mentioned, who are kind of in the middle. Their NHL team's not very good, but they haven't been bad enough to get like these high-end prospects yet. Still in the process of it. Detroit was stuck there for a hot minute, but then they finally started to like be bad enough to get these top prospects and got more at Cider and Lucas Raymond and guys like that, Philip Zadina. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of fun to be had with following these prospects. Yeah, and you know, if all these players in the NHL now, some of the greats, Kane, Crosby, Ovechkin, they all started as prospects. He was so named three pretty- number one overall picks. And and nobody just understands like the players that are being drafted now could turn into these superstar S tier type of players. And those are some of the most fun times to watch, like watching McDavid in his rookie year, watching Kane in his rookie year, and watching them grow and turn around a franchise. Like, yeah, am I happy that the Hawks are gonna suck? No. Do I want to see them lose a ton of games? No, but you're going to watch these kids that are going to be the future of the franchise and the organization grow, and then eventually they'll turn into whatever they blossom into. Some will be bust, some may not, but, I mean, that's the beauty of it all. Some of the greats and Hall of Famers there are in any sport all started out as prospects. So it's just part of the process. If you're a sports fan, this is just something that every sports fan has to deal with at some point in their life. So it's just... That's the time we're in right now with the Blackhawks. I couldn't agree more. Um, is there any other hockey story, though, that Frankie Mueller is extremely excited about and wants to talk about? I know it's the middle of summer and it's tough, but... It is tough. But there's been stuff I've been thinking about. I've been thinking about Kane a lot lately, um, which, I, yeah, I don't think they're going to move him. I feel as if it's similar to the Contreras and Hap situation, not being moved at the deadline. Everybody speculated that they were gone and they're not going to be gone. And I, I think similar things of Kane, um, kind of like Pooch said. Pooch is like when he was in the Big Brother house, all he was thinking about is like Kane. Is Kane going to be traded? He was pissed that he he heard that he may be on the chopping block, and there are rumors that Dallas were talking to him or talking about getting him and whatnot. That's kind of like how I feel. Like I'm I'm a little edgy cuz I don't want to see him go. I just want like I want his future to be out there and say, "All right, this is what's happening." Cuz right now I'm kind of living in that, you know, state of the unknown. Um as far as like a story goes, I couldn't think of anything. So that, that's just what I've been thinking about. I saw uh Miko Rantanen. He had his day with the uh with the cup 
and he was like bringing it around. He had like a dog eating out of it. I thought that was pretty cool. So I guess you could use that as my story. Um, but yeah, with the off season, it's hard because we talk a lot about you know free agent signings and trades and all that stuff. It's very rare that just like a random story will pop out there as much as like during the regular season. But yeah. That's yeah, I'm not discounting that report on Kane from the Dallas Stars. There, uh, Lazarus came right out after and said that that report is not true. Well, let me tell you something, Lazarus, who I'm not the biggest fan of. I would have him on this show, but I'm not a big fan of him at all. Um, he like immediately dismissed it. David Pagnota is a reputable hot, like the fourth period. They're a reputable hockey source. They broke the Tavares contract. I mean. Tavares leaving the Islanders to go to the Maple Leafs for $11 million, that's one of the biggest free agent signings in NHL history, and Pagnota had that. So nothing he tweets is just for nothing. Do I think that means for sure the Blackhawks are going to trade Patrick Kane to the Dallas Stars or anybody for that matter? It's possible, but it's also not just because he said it. It's a guarantee. But to discredit him like that was a little bit weird for me. And let's not forget our friend of the program, Tab Banford, is a contributor for the fourth period and he knows David quite well. So we're not here to poop on that report. There is where there's smoke, there's fire. In my opinion, that just doesn't necessarily mean that the fire is not going to be put out, you know, before the season starts or anything like that. But something definitely happened that caused Pagnota to tweet that. I want to stress that till the cows come home. Yeah. I mean, tell us how you really feel. I just did. <laughs> so, Frank, that's hockey, I guess. You know, midsummer, August 3rd. It's tough. It's tough. Um, I love hockey with my whole heart, and I look forward to talking about it each and every week with you. Um, and, you know, we, we keep finding good ways to keep absolutely the hockey conversation relevant. Aldo Gandia, the great producer of the Barroom Network, I guess I should say director of the Barroom Network, both producer, director, creator, President, every positive, possible positive title I can say about him for this show, he and I discussed something that very much intrigues me about Patrick Kane and his status among Chicago athletes. And I think that's going to be the meat and potatoes of next week's show, pending a huge guest. Even if there is a huge guest, that'll be our second period of next week's show. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Make sure you tune in. I can't wait. Frank, let's have some fun in period number three. Welcome to period three on August 3rd of the year of our Lord and Savior 2022. Frank, August 3rd is one of my favorite days of the entire year. Do you know why? Uh, it's National Watermelon Day. I don't like watermelon. I love watermelon. A lot of people like watermelon. I actually kind of hate it. It makes. I think I might gag if I ate it. Did you know watermelon's good for sore muscles like they say you should eat it or drink like a watermelon smoothie before you work out because it's good with muscle soreness really that must be why my muscles are so sore i never eat any damn watermelon i like watermelon flavored stuff though watermelon candy stuff like that but actual physical watermelon one of my least favorite things on planet earth also i'm sure you knew this but the rind of a watermelon is edible Yes, yes, yes. I have heard that. I but just I mean, don't have heard it. Disgusting, too. Yeah, nobody eats it, but it is. Um, but August the 3rd? August the 3rd is the birthday this year of the 45th edition of the greatest living American, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. He is 45 years old. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to say that, to be honest with you. Um, what are my thoughts? I, he's 45. I can't believe he's 45. It's wild. It's <laughs> he's wild halfway enough. to 50. <laughs> it's fucking wild. He's halfway to 50 in terms of his 40s. He's well past halfway to 50. Oh, well, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> he's five. Yeah. Tom Brady is entering his 23rd NFL season. His third with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the first 20 with the New England Patriots. He's 45 years old. He's 45. He looks like he's 25. Who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, those are the two old guys. The rest of them, Patrick Mahomes, mid-20s. Justin Herbert, mid-20s. Um, Josh Allen, mid-20s. I would put Russell Wilson in that mix. He's the only one that's not old but not young. Stafford, like Stafford. Okay. Stafford and Russell Wilson are probably the only two elite quarterbacks in their early thirties, right? Like the draft class of quarterbacks from 2009 to 2016 is actually pretty bad. Most of them became busts Mm -hmm. except for fricking Russell Wilson, who was a third round pick and Matthew Stafford, who was the number one overall pick out of Georgia. But for the most part, the best quarterbacks in the league are either extremely old, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or extremely young, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Kyler Murray, um, Justin Herbert. So, you know, Skyler says happy B-Day to the GOAT in the chat. He and I are of the Tom Brady biggest fan club on planet Earth. Um, Happy birthday, Tom. I know you got a big year ahead of you. The NFC South sucks. The NFC in general sucks. Your two biggest threats are the Rams, the Packers, the Vikings, or I guess I said more than two. The Rams, the Packers, the Vikings, and the 49ers are your biggest threat, in my opinion, but you should be able to cakewalk yourself through a division title. And with Julio Jones on squad, it should be a year where you are able to make it back to the Super Bowl, hopefully. Um, Can you tell I like that guy? I guess so. I would have never guessed. Yeah. So, Frank, more Big Brother. You excited for tonight? I'm very excited for tonight. Um, what do you think of the leftovers? Um, I generally don't eat leftovers. Normally, when food gets past like the night it was made, I normally don't eat it. Okay. Oh, I'm are you like- referring? Are you referring to the leftovers group on Big Brother? Yeah. I knew that. I'm just messing with you. Um, Yeah, so the leftovers, we talked about this via text message slash FaceTime a couple of days ago. I actually do think the odds are overwhelming that one of the leftovers will be the Big Brother champion. But are you only saying that because it's the majority? Like, obviously, the odds are saying that. Yes, the odds are saying it. Um, I think the leftover alliance is going to be forced to break because – when somebody who is not part of the leftovers wins head of house, you're you might be forced to see some of the true colors of one someone if they get put on the block. Unless they somehow manipulate that person and put up somebody that's not in their group. Well, but it's hard with the festy bestie twist going on right now. Exactly. And that's what I was about to say. There's one twist that happened last week, and I forgot to ask Pooch if Terrence is a White Sox fan. Mother <laughs> Oh my god, I meant to do that. Um, I'll find out though. I want to know if Terrence, my guy is a white Sox fan, but I think he is so boned because he joined Joseph and Monty, the festy bestie pair. And 
if they get put on the block, the rest of the leftovers are just going to vote for Terrence. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's toast. In bad shape, but he's he good is. this week because and he of- has no clue how toast he is. But he's good this week because they're HOH. Yeah, so he's safe. Yeah. So he's safe. He made but- a good move for the short term game because he like putting yourself on that team. You know they have a good chance of winning. It H-O-H. could work in the long term game too because of the brawn. They are going to be good at most competitions. Yeah, but the only thing is now Joseph can't play in next week's HOH, or I should say this week's HOH, because you can't win back-to-back HOHs. Yes, but Monty can. Or, or I meant or I meant Monty, Monty can't, can't, Joseph, Joseph can. can, yeah. So, I mean, but if they go up, it's like game over. It's a big risk. Yes. He didn't know that risk. Yeah, I was going to say he doesn't know that risk, and he's going to be blindsided, and if he gets eliminated next week, um, my guess is Julie Chen Moonves is going to inform him that the plan was for him to join their group all along just so they can backdoor him and, you know, having somebody who's not one of the leftovers join their squad. Yeah, you know, um, when you get to jury, which probably won't start for a few more weeks, that's probably, you know, Caitlin says Festy Bestie Twist won't go much longer. Um, Terrence made a good choice. Yeah, the Festy Bestie twist will probably end at the start of jury because that's how twists usually go. But once you get to jury and you're eliminated, Julie Chen tells you like nothing that's going on in the house. So like say Terrence got eliminated and he was the first member of the jury, she wouldn't say a word to him about anything that's going on in the house because she can't have that influence his jury vote for the final thing, for the final uh, vote. Because they go into sequester, they can't watch the show, so they only have to go off of like past experiences. So if he gets eliminated soon, she'll say it. But if he makes it to jury, she's not going to say a word. She'll be like, who do you think's running the house? Or yeah, stuff like that. Okay. Well, the good news is we have a source on the inside now. Um, when they get ready for the reunion, I will be asking Pooch what he thinks. Can I have some inside information? And it's good to have him in my back pocket. I'm very thankful for his existence yep. and can't wait for that moving forward. Frank, it was a great show. Um, what are you watching this week? I watch a lot of TV. Um, you don't say. A lot of TV, more than you probably think I do, which is why I get so behind on like Thrones or Clone Wars. Or I would say in the DVR, like recorded shows every week, I have a minimum of eight cable shows I watch. That's a lot of TV shows. And I like to get caught up with like my everyday shows that are like on TV so I don't get behind before I start watching like Clone Wars, Game of Thrones, and stuff like that. So that's why it's so tough. Um, because a new show started called snake in the grass. I really like it. You'd like the concept Four people new each week. Um, it's on the sci-fi channel at 10 o'clock. Um, on whatever day it was, I forgot maybe Monday or Tuesday, Monday. I don't know. Um, but it's like one person is the snake. Okay. And the other three people are trying to win challenges uh, to get clues about the snake. So all four people are comp- competing in the challenge, but the snake is trying to like purposely lose the challenge so they don't get the clue um, about the snake. Get it? So you're trying to figure out who who's the like the bad guy here. You kind of get what I get? Saying yeah, it's kind of like uh, Town of Salem, that video game where you got to yep. find out like who's the killer. 
But everybody's yep, like, I don't know. Really <laughs> That's kind of like what Snake in the Grass is in a sense. So it's been a really cool show that just started this week. Um, obviously, I'm going to be watching Big Brother. Um, that final straw I told you about, it's like giant Jenga. That that's sick. That's a lot of fun. I watch that every week. Got to get back in Game of Thrones. Um, Lock and Key is a, a show I watch on Netflix. Season three starts, and it's the final season in less than two weeks. So I'll be watching that. There's a lot. There's a lot that this man watches right here. So a little bit of everything's my answer to you. Outstanding. I'll be watching Big Brother, of course. Um, the Chicago White Sox are currently playing a series against the Kansas City Royals. They are winning. August Abreu is back. Um, the trade deadline sucked for both the White Sox and the Cubs, so we will continue watching what goes on with both of those teams as the rest of the season moves along. They are fully part of what I'll be watching. And, of course, Juan Soto, the great Juan Soto, was traded from the Washington Nationals to the San Diego Padres. The Daddies start a series with the team they're chasing, the Los Angeles Dodgers, this weekend, and it's going to be one of the premier matchups of the sports world at all in the year of 2022, and I'm so excited to watch it this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, hearing about what goes on, you know, with Juan Soto and his Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back and his Manny Machado coming back. Um, it's going to be great stuff to follow. And you can make sure that next week on Thursday, you can hear the reaction to all of that on Crosstown Crosstalk. Tomorrow's episode of Crosstown Crosstalk will be at 2 p.m. You can make sure you listen to it. It's going to be a good time. I'm very exciting about it. Um, you know, we're going to be recapping the trade deadline, going over what we just talked about, but in a lot more depth. And, you know, I have a very special shout out. My girlfriend, Caitlin, has her birthday coming up this weekend. Hey, and we're going to Nash Vegas to celebrate. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, while everyone's at home chilling, doing that kind of stuff, I'm going to be in Nashville, you know, partying it up in honky tonk and eating Nashville hot and crying my eyes out at the hot sauce and celebrating Katie. So we're very much looking forward to that big celebration. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty good time. So, you know, everything that I say I'm going to watch, I'm actually probably just going to watch like later when I get home. But like, of course, I'm I'm very excited about everything that's going on. I leave tomorrow morning. Oh, okay. Bright and early. So are you watching the episode tonight? No spoilers? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'll be watching tonight's episode. I think you might have to avoid spoilers for Thursday and Sunday's episode till I get home on Monday night. And I'll probably have a two episode marathon, you know, when that, when we get home, which that actually will probably be kind of fun running two straight episodes. Um, like people who didn't watch all of Obi-Wan right when it came out, they like got to watch it all when it was done. I'm kind of jealous of those people in a way, but you know, I'm excited. It's going to be a good weekend overall. And the sports world is just popping right now. And we do the best job of covering it at the fan sided networks and right here at the barroom network. I was at bears training camp this morning. Yeah. Me and the great Aldo Gandia were right there watching the plays and the offense looked fast and practice in general just seemed more intense. Like everybody, it was more work than fun. And it wasn't like that with the Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace crew. Matt Nagy was out there throwing passes himself you know, having a jolly old time. This is serious business out there right now. And I think the Bears, their roster is way too flawed for them to overcome it. But once they start getting some talent on this damn roster, if you keep running practices like that and with this philosophy, I actually think the Bears are 
in a strong direction. So I'm very excited for football season as well. When I get back from Nashville, I'm going to be fully back into two-sport mode. All right. Sounds good. And then we'll be in three-sport mode before you know it because October, halfway through September when uh, training camp starts for the Devils and the Blackhawks and the National Hockey League as a whole, I'll be back to being a three-sport athlete in short order too. Then the NBA starts. Yeah, then the NBA starts, which I'm like a – six out of 10 fan of, which, you know, that's pretty high. That's higher than most people. And so, you know, once October hits, we are off and running with this stuff. College football too. Yeah. Uh, it'll be three Saturdays this Saturday till yep. college football. So. Absolutely. Very much looking forward to that. I'm sure we'll watch plenty of games in the company of each other. But until then, we are going to send you to America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Where's my money, bitch? You don't get to know about the danger. I am the danger. Your thoughts. Okay. Uh (laughs) It's a breaking bad scene. I was trying to pretend like I was frozen. You clearly weren't. (laughs) You're like Drax in Infinity War. (laughs) I know I'm moving so incredibly slow that I become invisible to the eye. Dude, you're eating a Zarg nut. Damn it. Which you finally watched, I hope, the trailers. I wrote it down. Didn't you notice I skipped talking about it? That's why I'm bringing it up right now. I'm a bot. Listen, man, the trade deadline was crazy. I wrote like 15 articles yesterday. I got this show. I have to pre-record crosstalk later. Well, talk tonight. to me now. Slept. I will watch them. I will watch them. I thought you had them watched because you wrote it down. Figured, oh, no. I wrote this sheet on Monday. I figured I'd find five minutes. It's my fault. Oh, the tired, the work, that's no excuse. I'm a bot. I'm an idiot. It'll get taken care of. Well, there's more important things to talk about right now. Like winning me money. Where's my money, bitch? I got three picks for you. Today was a really, really hard day to pick. Let me just tell you. Not a lot of games. I'm a little shocked. Normally, I could expect at least like eight games from 6 p.m. and on. And what, there's four or something? Maybe five, four games? I mean, come on. You're not giving me much to work with here. Um. It, it's hard because I can't give picks on like the noon games because the show doesn't air till two. So it, it makes it really difficult and it's hard to give picks about, you know, tomorrow's games or Friday's games. Cause you don't know about the lineups and not all the lines are out. So I'm really just stuck with the games that are tonight and what I'm given. And table tennis. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're not desperate now, are we? <laughs> we're not in COVID. <laughs> 130 days without sports. Frankie starts betting. He's like, I need to bet something. I need to bet something. Vin, pull out the mat and I want to bet against you. Nemeshelko. <laughs> it was the wildest time. Frank. Virtual horse racing. The horses that, weren't even real. Now that, nah. <laughs> I haven't dove into that, but um, I plead the fifth on table tennis. But anyway, um, Cubs and Cardinals play tonight. I'm really feeling the under in this matchup. Steele and Mikolas, um, both don't have the greatest records, but their ERAs are pretty good. Eight, I could see it going under eight. 
Cubs don't tend to score a lot of runs. I think these pitching matchups will do good against the division rival. Maybe we're seeing upwards of a four to three game, four to two, maybe three to two. I wouldn't be shocked about that. So I like the under eight at minus one hundred three. I think that's fair. Like I said, I don't do a ton of over unders or give a lot of ton of over under picks for you guys, but it's a tough night, and I, I can only work with what I'm given with. So next one I like Brewers and Pi- uh, Pirates. Peralta versus Beatty are on the mound. Under four and a half for the first five. I'm a little surprised at four and a half is the over-under for the first five just because Beatty's been really, really good for the Pirates. He's a he's a relief pitcher, and I know he's not going to go the full five innings, but even if he gets through, let's say, like three innings without giving up a run, I mean, you just got to try and survive the other two two innings with, the, with their bullpen. And maybe he'll go longer since he's starting the game, right? So we don't know. Uh, he's been a fantastic pitcher, though. I, I know for sure he hasn't given up a run in his last three appearances, and – some of those appearances have been longer outings, like two to three innings. So, and Peralta, eh, he's all right. I mean, he, he'll probably give up a run or two in the first five. So you figure maybe it's two. There's two runs through the first three innings. They're probably not going to be more than two runs through innings four and five. So I like the under four and a half. I think it's fair at minus 115. Um, pick your poison there between that and the Cubs. And the final game I like is in the Dodgers at the Giants. Another rival rival game. It's thinking Giants money line. I think there was a lot of value there. I just think the line is a little fishy in favor of the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers should be more favored than what they were. They're in like the minus 160s. Um, to me, they should be in like minus 180s, 190s maybe, just with this pitching matchup alone, Urias and Cobb. But instead of getting greedy, you could take the Giants plus one and a half, meaning that even if they lose the game by one run, you still win. And it's still minus 118. That's almost like a normal line value. Um, So I think that that's perfect. You don't have to get greedy, and you're still getting tons of great value at minus 118. And and that's what I would go with. Unless you're feeling greedy and you want to say, screw it, I have something, some money to burn, then go ahead and take the money line if you want. But doing the less greedy thing is 10 to be better for you. I mean, any ways you can increase your chances of winning, I mean, take the run and a half, right? So there we go. And that's Frankie's breaking bets. I think baseball is the hardest sport to bet on, and it's not close. But uh, you might disagree. I think baseball is the hardest because – Dang, hockey is by far. All the, all the, hockey's hard as shit. I mean, every sport is hard. If they were any of them were easy, we'd be rich. Um, with baseball – Every line, and I heard this directly from somebody at DraftKings, every line is based on the starting pitchers. Well, what if the pitcher tweaks his arm in the third inning and it becomes a bullpen game? Like, just so many things can change the outcome of a baseball game where, like, you generally know what you're going to get from football and you generally know what you're going to get from um, uh, hockey. I mean, there's obviously catastrophic injuries, right? McDavid leaves a game halfway through. That decreases Edmonton's chance of winning. But in baseball, everything revolves around pitching, and teams change pitchers like hotcakes. And if McDavid has a bad game, the Oilers can still win because they have Dreisaitl and Pugliarvi and Kane and you know Yamamoto and Darnell Nurse. If the Blackhawks in their prime lost Kane, they could still win because they had Hosa and Sharp and Taves and Keith and Seabrook. Like in football, 
it, it all basically matters about who your quarterback is, right? You know, if I ranked the four quarterbacks in every division, chances are it looks like the final standings by the end of the year with a couple tweaks here and there. Um, I think the second best quarterback in the NFC North is going to win it this year. That's just my opinion. But like for the most part, you can rank them and it would look like the final standings in baseball. It's just like, what the hell? Literally anything can happen. Eloy can hit one out and it get robbed by a good outfielder where like if they were playing any other and the stadiums are different too. Like, you know, where Eloy might hit a home run at Fenway or at guaranteed Ray field and might go off the monster at Fenway park. And there, I hate betting on baseball. I basically don't do it anymore. You also have to be aware of, um, like you said, pitching is a big factor and their bullpen who's available in the bullpen. Exactly. Is, is somebody, did somebody get burned? Is the closer not available because he's pitched three games in a row to close out games and it's stuff like that. But I think like if you do the right research, in my opinion, it's not the hardest sport to bet on. You just got to know the correct research you're taking into consideration for something like the MLB. It takes more research than any other sport. I Yes, I agree with that completely. Um, Adam Schefter of ESPN did report that the league has filed its appeal in the Deshaun Watson suspension, which is not something I thought was going to happen. Um the judge um, awarded him a six-game suspension, and a lot of people fought against it and said it was way too little. I mean, this man has upward of 20 cases of sexual assault against him. Four of the women have testified against him, and they came out with six games. When Calvin Ridley's banned a year for placing a bet on the DraftKings Sportsbook while injured, yeah, it's that's just... Yeah. And listen, I, I told this Taldo earlier. I understand the NFL handing out harsh penalties to guys placing sports gambling bets. The last thing they want in the public eye is to become like the WWE where people think it's fixed. And I'm not shitting on the WWE. That's what makes it awesome is that it's like a TV show. But like you don't want the NFL to be like that. You don't want people to be like, oh, well, we know it's fixed because this guy's betting on it. He could make some cash. I get the harsh penalty for that but you can't set the precedent and say that it's worse than sexual assault against women. You just cannot do that. So Deshaun Watson, fuck you. I hope you play zero games this season and the Cleveland Browns come in last place for even trading for a year, scumbag ass. And I hope the NFL wins its appeal. I thought most of his things came back not guilty though. Like he was right or no? No, he had a lot of things come back against him guilty. That's where the six game suspension came in. Oh, okay. If he was not guilty of all charges, he'd be playing week one. I thought he I don't know. I really haven't followed him a lot. Yeah, he's a scumbag and wildly talented quarterback. I mean, he was top five when he exited the league, in my opinion. Yeah, he was he was all right. I mean Dude, he like broke passing records with a bad Texans team. And he almost beat the Chiefs in a playoff game. Patrick Mahomes had that sick fourth quarter comeback. I remember I watched the game at timeout. It was the day the Devils fired Ray Shero. As their GM, you know, Deshaun Watson was unbelievable. He earned his money football wise, but man, is he a piece of shit. I hope he never plays again personally, but that's just me. Um, yeah, so that's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed our interview with Pooch from Big Brother 24 that led off the show and went for about an hour. I asked him for 40 minutes. He gave us an hour and he had connection problems, too. Yeah, so he owed it to us. Um, 
we're going to have him back. He's definitely a friend of the program going forward. Um, he will be hearing from me in less than 20 minutes. And I really enjoyed it. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to reach out to him and thank him again for coming on the show. It was a blast. Um, good times, good times. And we'll definitely see him again on this show for a fact. I know that 100%. Absolutely. So, you know, I know it's hard in the summer to stay with hockey, but man, we, we do plenty of pop culture and football and baseball. This show is loaded. It doesn't go anywhere during the summer. It picks up in the winter in terms of excitement and anticipation for the season. And, you know, we'll be wearing our sweaters and drinking our hot cocoa. It's going to be a good time. I'm so, so, so looking forward to doing this show once hockey comes back. But for the rest of the summer, we'll be, we'll be having a good time with it. I agree. And I can't encourage everybody enough to tune in to other Bar Room Network shows. I don't know what you're doing if you're not. If you're only watching this one, thank you. But let me help you. Go watch Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow, 2 p.m. Okay? Go watch all the football shows. Me and Aldo, the creator of this damn network, we're watching training camp today. We are getting so ready. The boys at the South Burbs Hitmen getting ready for a big second half of White Sox baseball. I say second half, more like second third. There are only, I, I think there are 59 games left or 58 games left. And, you know, we're going to be right there till the end. If they rattle off 10 in a row, take place of first place in the division, you see what happens in the playoffs, fire Tony in the offseason. We'll see you next year. But, you know, either way, we're going to be there discussing it, and I'm very happy about it. Um Tomorrow, Crosstown Crosstalk, Science Fiction, talking about all the things nerdy and delightful about that culture. Um, it's great. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Katie, happy birthday to you. We love you. I love you. Um, yeah, that's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed. As always, thank you for listening.